Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Got any believers in the house today? Stay with me this morning. So good to see you. I, uh, I like one line in the song that we sang, not that I didn't like the rest of them, one line said, mercy and grace, there's no place that the mercy and grace can't come and get to. So if you're here today and you need mercy and grace, guess what? It is here for you today. Your life can radically change. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look really good this morning. How many know we're people of faith? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us. Speak to us very clearly through your word today, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Well, there has been a debate from time past that we try to figure out how we got here and who we are, where we're going, and that debate will go on until Jesus comes. But I want to tell you, when he comes, that debate will probably mostly be over, don't you think? But today we're going to talk about apologetics, evidence that support the Christian faith. And through this debate, there's been all kind of theories and um, speculations and so-called facts thrown out. And I really liked the conversation between a young boy and his mother, and he went to her and said, Mom, where did we all come from? And she said, well, you know, I gave birth to you, but your question is much bigger than that. And so she began to tell him the creation story, that God created Adam and Eve, and all people come from that. And he said, well, uh, Dad said we came from monkeys. And she said, that's just his side of the family. So obviously, you know, we don't believe that here. Although a lot of people do believe that, and so I want to take what the Word says, and I'm going to believe what it says to me and to you. 1 Peter chapter 3, if you have your Bible, turn there, please. In verse 15, Peter is speaking to us by the authority of the Holy Spirit. He said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And this word here that uh, is in the Greek that he uses for this um, defense or answer is the word apologia. It doesn't mean you're apologizing for something. It means you're verbally defending or giving an answer to a question. So someone came to you and said, why are you a believer? What's your answer? What, what do we give to them? Well, just because that's what my family was, that's what my mom was, my dad was, or whatever. How many of you know it's got to be much more than that? So Peter tells us, point blank, that when someone asks you about your faith, your hope, he said you need to give an apologia. You need to give an answer for the question. And are we equipped to do that? And hopefully after today we're a little bit better equipped. Some of you are very equipped, maybe some of you not so. And especially our young people need to know why they believe what they believe. I mean, this is critical in the culture today. So two things here that Peter says. Number one, be ready to give a defense. And number two, ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And, and many people have many reasons they don't believe in God or they don't believe in Christianity. Have you ever heard this? Well, there is no truth. How many of you have ever heard that? Our truth is relative. 
Now let me give you an answer to those questions. So if someone says, there is no truth, if truth is relative, your immediate response should be, is that true? Some of you get that on the way home. Okay, so, I mean, the argument is a paper argument here. It's just a straw argument because, you know, if you go to the bank and say, I'm going to draw some money out of my account, and you say, I'd like $100,000, and the teller says, you have $300 in the bank, how many of you know their truth will trump your truth? Because they're going to go by the truth, and there is truth, and we, re- we need to realize there is truth. God's word is truth. So we believe the word of God. So Peter's telling us, give an answer for the reason, the hope that you have. So here's some reasons that people often give why they don't believe in God or Christianity. It's illogical, lack of evidence, it's superstition. Everything can be explained by science. There's the weakness of the proof that God even exists. The problem of evil and suffering. They believe God is homophobic. They see a person who claims to be a Christian, and they have that very negative experience with that person who claims to be a Christian. I mean, you know, that happens all the time. Well, you know, they're a Christian. They live no better than me. They're worse than me. And I've got tripped up with that a time or two. So don't be that person. If you're going to claim to be a Christian, try to live the life that you ought to live. Can I hear an amen to that? So we realize here that there are reasons that people don't believe. But do we have reasons that we do believe? And if we do, can we defend those reasons? Can we give an answer to those reasons? So theism is a belief in God or gods, if you're in a pagan or a polyistic uh, you know, mindset. And atheism is a belief that there is no God. So Frank um, Turek, who is an author and an apologist, in his book, Stealing from God, said, first, if atheism is merely a lack of belief in God, then atheism is just a claim about the atheistic state of mind, not a claim about God's existence. And so he says, likewise, atheists can say they just reject God, but they are still confronted with the inescapable problem of how to explain ultimate reality. So let me put that in perspective. If I say I don't believe in gravity, does that mean there's no gravity? No. If I say I don't believe that there's a town called Waco, does that mean there's not a town called Waco? So you can make any statement, but it doesn't make it true, right? So we have to come back to the fact that there are truths, there are absolutes, and we have to really be careful that we don't get into a mindset that takes us off track. Uh, Philip Johnson, who's regarded as the father of intelligent design, said he who is a skeptic, skeptic in one set of beliefs is a true believer in another set of beliefs. So if you don't believe that, then you must believe this. That's what he's saying. So if you don't believe that, then you have beliefs on the other side. So if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you don't believe in Christianity, then you have another set of beliefs over here, even though you may say, I don't have another set of beliefs. It, by default, you do. How many of you understand what I just said? Okay, so we have to be very concerned about that, not just for our generation, but for every generation, especially the young people here. So I want you to listen up. They are confronted by so much more than maybe I was confronted growing up. There's a culture, there's information, the internet, there are so many things that bombard them day by day in their schools, in their college, that they have to be very careful that they don't buy into because the pressure is to embrace the culture. And you and I 
are not embracing culture, we're embracing Jesus Christ. And so that should be our goal. Two-thirds of Americans ages 18 to 35 doubt the existence of God. Uh, the amount of Americans that doubt there is a God has doubled in one generation. Only 65% of Americans believe that heaven exists. Only 55% of Americans believe in the devil. And 34% of Generation Z has no religious affiliation. And 18% of that group identifies themselves as atheists and agnostics. So uh, I've been to college. I've taught in colleges and universities. And this is from a cross-examined group. College professors are five times more likely to be atheists than the general public. And more than half of college professors have unfavorable views of evangelical students. And someone said this, if bands, pizza, and Pepsi could equip the church youth with intellectual firepower to defend Christianity, we wouldn't have so many kids fleeing the church. About 70 to 80% of, of young people who say they're Christians when they get into a secular college, they lose their faith or they leave their faith. How many of you know that's horrible? And we need to take care of that. And one of the ways we take care of that is we equip them. We tell them, this is what the Word of God says, and let me give you the other side and the argument so we're not going to run away from this. How many of you know we're going to embrace this, run right into it, and say, okay, how do we deal with this? And it makes no difference whether you're 80 or you're 18. We need to know how to defend the faith. And this is not something new. The first century Christians had to do that almost every day. So if you read your Bible from Acts all the way to Revelation, Paul many times is defending the faith. On Mars Hill, with all of these gods that he faces, why is he pointing to the one true living God? Let me tell you about a God you don't know. And Apollos does this in the book of Acts. The Bible says that he debated with the Jews to prove that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So if we're going to be believers, we have to be willing to defend our faith. Can I hear an amen to that? So you're here on a good day. So if there is no God, if there is no creator, then we could live any way we want to, and there are no repercussions other than just societal repercussions. But if there is a God, if there is the God of the Bible, then how we live... And how we believe and how we die makes a huge, huge difference. Because where are you going to go after this life? And many people are going to say there is no life after this life. But if there is, where are you and I going to spend eternity? How many of you know that matters? And it's a huge issue. So some people say, well, you know, God doesn't exist. Some people say God does exist. So we have to find out which answers the questions of life. And let me give you some of those. Creation, the beginning of the universe, a fine-tuned universe, certain laws such as the law of mathematics, the laws of nature, the laws of logic, DNA and genetic code. Did all those things just happen? I mean, did, did, did nature just create nature? Some people believe that's true. Well, let me tell you, nature can't create nature because if there was a nature creating nature, there would be no need to create nature. Yeah. 
So Dr. Francis Collins was the head scientist for the Human Genome Project. It was sponsored in Bill Clinton's uh, term. There were millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to map out the human genome. And so scientists from all the world got together, and over a period of time, they matched and they uh, began to map out our human genome. Now, most of you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, let me tell you what the big deal about that is. So th this man, who doesn't really profess to you know, believe just like we believe, here are some of the results, and this is staggering. So if you had a haploid genome, DNA, there are 3 trillion, 54 billion, uh, 818,472 pairs that are in that genome. 3 billion, 54 million, 817,472 pairs. For that randomly to come together to make you is impossible. You could be in the soup in the swamp for billions of years, and for three trillion pieces to come together is statistically impossible. That's why the guy who headed up the Human Genome Project said this, it is impossible for this to randomly happen. There had to be a designer. And you and I believe in the designer. And we believe the designer is none other than Almighty God. So we're, we're being taught one thing over here. The Bible says something else over here. So now we have the dilemma, who are we going to believe? And you say, well, we're going to believe science. And if you've been here on Wednesday nights, Dr. Jeff, who's very intelligent, says if you believe science in the 1800s, how many of you know it changed in the 1900s? If you believe science in the 1900s, how many of you know it changed in the 2000s? And I'm going to make a wild guess. If the Lord tarries in 10, 15, 20, 50 years, science is going to change some things they believed 30 years ago or 40 years ago or 100 years ago. We know it's already happened, and probably it's going to happen again. So science does not prove everything. And we can be wrong. But we believe God is right and believe the Word of God is right. So how do we explain the DNA, the genetic code? How do we explain morality and ethics and free will and consciousness and good and evil? Because nearly every one of us, every one of us, have a sense of right and wrong and good and evil. Where did that come from? Did that just come through evolution? Did that just come through, uh, well, we just grew up, and over a period of millions of years, we, we understood what right and wrong is. No, let me tell you, the only standard of good that we have is God, because God is good. And that is the only way we can perceive the difference between good and evil. And if there is no God, there's really no plumb line for good and evil. It's just because someone decided this is good, this is not good, or whatever. So we get to the question, who or what caused everything? Isn't that a good question? Who or what caused everything? So it's now widely accepted that our universe had a beginning. Years ago, many believed the universe was eternal. It's always been there. It always existed. But now that is not the case. So I brought with me today, and this is very interesting, and I thought it was interesting to me. 
Here are the creation stories from our ancient forefathers. Are you ready for this? This is the indigenous people of Australia. They believe that everything on the earth was asleep. And the father of all spirits was the one who awoke the son, mother, and he commanded her to go down and give the spirits of the earth forms. So she awoke the plants, the insects, the caves, and everything on the earth until it was finished. And this is the Egyptians, ancient Egypt. It states that at the beginning, only a chaotic water existed called none. The sun god Ra appeared from a lotus flower, gave light to the universe. Ra created Shu, the air god, and Tefnut, the goddess of moisture. And these two gave birth to the sky goddess Nut and the earth god Geb. From them, the physical universe was formed. That sounds like a nut job to me, but anyway. <laughs> the Mayan culture, they believed that there was a maker, a, a feathered serpent god that created the world with their thoughts, and they created beings to look after their creation. First, they made animals of the sky and the land, but they could not properly communicate, so they made man, and they made him out of the clay, but he crumbled apart. They tried making him out of wood, but he was empty-headed and hearted. Uh, how many of you know that guy? Uh, finally, they made him out of corn, and these men were empathetic and intelligent. So you didn't know you were made out of corn. Polynesians, uh, the, the creation uh, was that it came from a shell. The shelf opened, light came from the inside, the top of the shell became sky, the bottom was the earth, and uh, the earth and sky loved each other, gave birth to 70 powerful gods that helped in creating the world as it is today. The Chinese, Pengu was the first man who came out of the chaos with two horns, two tusks, and a hairy body. He separated the seas, put the mountains in their place, gave the earth its form by using the knowledge of yin and yang. The Cherokees, let's go to Native America. The earth was a mere island floating on a big ocean. It hung from four cords. The sky formed from the ground, but the darkness made it impossible for the animals to see. So the sun appeared to help them find their way. There were seven days and seven nights, and God instructed the animals to stay awake. Some fell asleep, but those who stayed awake, God gave them the ability to see in the dark. The Hindus, Purusha, the being who had a thousand heads and eyes and feet clutched the earth with its feet. The gods, however, sacrificed Purusha, made it into butter. It became the animals, the elements, and three gods, Engai, Yayu, and Indra. Okay, enough of those. I kind of like the story in Genesis a little bit better, but there are many creation stories and even Today, people have their creation stories. Many of you have heard of the scientist Stephen Hawking. He has passed on now. He is an atheist. And um, this is what he said. Almost everyone now believes the universe and time itself had a beginning at the Big Bang. Cosmologist Alexander Vilenkin, also an agnostic, said, all the evidence that we have says that the universe had a beginning. So most scientists today say the universe had a beginning. So it's kind of the standard thing. Well, we believe the universe had a beginning. Now, their view is the Big Bang. How many of you ever heard the term, the Big Bang? Someone said if there's a Big Bang, they had to be a banger. So <laughs> there had to be a banger for the Big Bang. So we believe that God created everything. And so scientists say that there was a moment 
that everything was created. Now, why do they believe that? Because they have really studied the universe, and since the Hubble telescope, they have seen that the universe is expanding. That there was one point it began, and it began to expand from that point. So it's like if, if you had something that, that blew up, and there would be this energy that went out from that central point, and so that's the thought. So the Big Bang started, or there was a point, there was a moment that creation started, and we see the effects of that as the universe expands, and today the universe is still expanding. And so that's why they come up with the thought, the theory, or they think the fact that there was a moment that the universe started the Big Bang. So if there is a moment that the universe started, and we believe that, then what was necessary for that to start? Well, there were three things. Time, space, and matter. Say that with me. Time, space, and matter. So all those things did not exist until creation, or they would say the Big Bang, and at that moment, time, space, and matter began. So whatever or whoever began that bang or that moment of creation had to be outside of, listen, time, space, and matter. So does God fit the bill to be the creator that he is separated from time, space, and matter? And the answer is what? Absolutely yes. Now let me tell you why. Because before there was ever creation, there is God. This is what the book says, right? That's what your Bible says. And we serve a God who's independent of time. He is the God who was and is and is to come. Say that with me. Who was and is and is to come. Which means he dwells in all phases of time at the same moment. He is completely outside of time. So, think about this. God created the heavens and the earth. He put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he gave them a, a mandate, you know, keep the garden, um, multiply, subdue, have dominion, take care of the earth. And until they sinned, how long would they have lived? Forever. Because only sin brought death. The wages of sin is death. So if there was no sin at that moment, they would have lived forever. But once they sinned, they began to what? They began to die, and eventually they died. So Jesus Christ had to come and undo what sin did to bring death. And so he took our place on the cross. He paid the wages of sin, overcame death, and now... We can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if you're saved through Jesus Christ, when you get to heaven, how long are you going to live in heaven? Forever. So we're now outside of time. So this is what God said. He said, I'm going to set this thing back the way I originally created it. So this is my intent. I wanted my creation to live forever, but because of sin, guess what? Everything imploded. Everything's going to die. Everything's going to be destroyed. And because of Jesus Christ, now what do we have? We have regeneration. We have new birth. We have a salvation. We have redemption. And now we serve one who lives outside of time. So I want you to go 
I'll put it up on the screen. Genesis 1 and 1, this is the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Look at this. Beginning time, heaven, space, earth, matter. So in your first verse of the Bible, scientists said we have to have three things for creation. Time, space, matter. What's in the first verse of your Bible? Time, space, matter. Say it with me. Time, space, matter. So we have differences of opinion how time, space, and matter got there. So before God began to create, he had to have a space to put something in the heavens and the earth. Notice heavens come before earth. So the space became before the material. And here's an interesting fact. Matter of fact, Pastor Matt and I had this conversation earlier this morning. Do you realize verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, sun, moon, stars aren't created then? They're created later. Let me tell you why. Because when he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxy, he had to have some space to put them in. He had to have some space to put them in. How many of you have a garage that has no space? So you don't have any room to put anything else in. So what God had to do, he had to create space to put his creation in. Can I hear an amen to that? So something or someone had to be outside of time, outside of matter, outside of the space, had to be intelligent, had to be wise, had to be powerful to begin the creation process. Now, if you're an atheist today, if you're here today, you're an atheist, then this is what your um, you know, end game is. So yeah, I believe there's time, I believe there's space, I believe there's matter, but it came from nothing. Now, we believe there's time, space, and matter, but we believe it came from Almighty God. So let me ask you a question. Does it take more faith to believe it came from nothing or does it take more faith to believe it came from a loving creator God who had purpose and intention in what he was going to do? I think it takes more faith to believe in nothing than to believe in something. Now, that's just my view. If that's not your view, you're wrong, but that's okay. So atheists basically, bottom line, believe that something came out of nothing. And we believe something came out of nothing, but we believe there was someone who brought that something out of nothing by speaking the word and brought forth everything that we know. And that's the biblical account. Now, the reason this is important is because there are some things that maybe you need to be enlightened with, and I certainly do. Let's take the second law of thermodynamics. How many of you have ever heard of that law? Second law of thermodynamics. It means anything that's left to where it's at will only go backwards and decay and not get better. Okay? So if we took a car and we put it in the parking lot and we left it, let's say we, we put our car out there and we're going to wait for a year or two years or five years or ten years and we're going to believe and 10 years later, we're going to come back, and that car is going to be better than it was when we parked it. Does anybody believe that? If you believe that, we need to have special prayer for you after this service. What's going to happen? The wind, the rain, the sun, ultraviolet rays, uh, just all kind of stuff is going to happen to that. Uh, your hubcap's going to be gone. Your wheel's going to be gone. So if you leave it, it's going to deteriorate to a lower state. And basically, all of the world's going to be that way. 
So we don't see anything that's just getting better. What do we see? We see, you know, decaying. We see it getting worse. Uh, that's the second law of thermodynamics. So some people believe our universe is billions of years old. But this is what we know just from the last you know, decade or two, that the sun is actually cooling down. And one day, that the sun that we see, uh, if we can see it through the fog today, uh, the sun that we see, it's not going to happen in my generation, it's not going to happen in my kids' generation or your grandkids' generation or the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. But this is what they say, left by itself, the sun will slowly lose its heat and its power and it will you know, become a, a star that you know, is a death star and it's not Star Wars, but anyway, you, you get it. And, and it's going to go away. So if, if that's the second law of thermodynamics. So if, if the sun is billions of years old, why has that already happened? Because there was time for that to happen. And another thing too is the creation process, or if you're an atheist or agnostic, the Big Bang, it had to, it had to go at such a speed and a time that if it was changed just by less than a second, less than a second, nothing could have survived that Big Bang. That the creation was so fine-tuned that it allowed life to exist. And you and I live in what is called the Goldilocks zone. Have you ever heard that term, the Goldilocks zone? Up till today, I'm not predicting the future, and I'm not prophesying what's going to happen tomorrow. But up till today, the only life like we're living is found on the earth. And it's almost like God said, here is a place that I'm preparing for a people, and I'm going to make sure it's a place that is a good place. It is a place that's temperate, a place that my creation can flourish. Now, it's not that way on Venus or Mercury or Mars or Jupiter or Saturn, and we left Pluto out, you know, a long time ago. We, we, we dropped Pluto. But, but anyway, the point being, there is no place that we have looked at that could support life like we have it. And that's why until the sixth day, God did not create man until the earth was ready to receive man. He didn't create man on the first day, right? He created man on the sixth day, so everything was right for us to be there. So that's an intelligent, wise, structured being, God, that made it right for you and I to be here. Another thing that we have to think about is Einstein's theory of relativity. Now, basically, equals, E equals you know, MC squared, which means, and we make movies out of this, uh, what was it, Matthew McConaughey that would start in Interstellar? Was that, that the movie? Okay, you're, you're about as uh, informed as me. But anyway, so here, here's the theory. If you can take matter or mass and you can accelerate it to the speed of light, it quits being matter like we know it and it turns into pure energy. So light, 186,000 uh, miles a second, that's fast. If we can accelerate something to the speed of light, then it loses its property of matter, it becomes pure energy, and time no longer has any effect on it. Okay, you're saying, all right, Pastor, what does that mean? Okay, I'm glad you asked me. 
So what Einstein says, if we can take something and, and bring it to that capacity of energy and light, time no longer has any effect on it. This is what the Bible says. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So the Bible says God is beyond time. He's beyond all of the, the precepts that we know. He supersedes all of that. And then the theory is if we took an astronaut, if we put him in a spaceship, if we put him in some kind of vehicle, and if we could accelerate them to the speed of light, or we could accelerate, uh, accelerate them to a, a huge you know, amount of energy as far as the miles per hour, then time would begin to change with them, and that's where you get the movies in the 50s and 60s, and even today they make some of the movies. So if you came back from that space travel, everybody that you saw on the earth had aged, and you hadn't aged as much, or you didn't age at all. Why? Because time began to lose its effect on you, but yet time had its effect still on everybody else, and if you watched that movie, he came back, and I think his daughter was old, and he watched his daughter die because time really didn't have any effect on him. And that is literally a theory in science. But if you read your Bible, the Bible already told us that, right? That God, who is light, pure energy, in him there is no darkness at all, so he is not subject to the things that we are subject to. And Everything that we know, everything that was created, had to have a first cause and material to work with. But the problem is, if you're an atheist, you don't know what the first cause was, and you don't have anything to work with. But if you're a believer, you have something to work with, and that's the Word of God, and you have a Creator, Almighty God. So that's why it's important for us today to talk about this. Now, you may not yippee me or yahoo me or shout at me, but I'm going to tell you, you need to know why you believe something. Because this is not all emotions. Now, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was emotional for me. I came to the altar. I was in my early 20s. I cried. I had tears running down my face. Snot was going everywhere. And I don't care who thought what they thought about me. It was emotional. But let me tell you, you cannot survive on emotions. Because emotions will come and they will go. So you need to know, thus saith the word of God. And why we believe in Peter's urging us. He said, when someone says, why do you believe that? Why do you have that hope? He said, you need to be able to give them an answer. Let me tell you why that's important. There has never been in my lifetime more spoken about depression, despondency, among young people than I've heard today. We're obsessed with alcoholism and drug abuse, and all of us here, we could say, you know, we, we have all had some, maybe some of those issues, maybe you've had some depression, despondency, maybe you've had some drug abuse or maybe alcoholism. Listen, we're not judging you, I'm just saying there's a lot of that going around. One of the reasons I believe it's going around is because we're taught we came from nowhere significant, we're going nowhere significant, there's a lot of non-significant things in between, and there's really not a lot of hope for living today. But if you believe 
that an almighty, loving God created you for purpose, that you're headed somewhere, your life matters, and when you die, you're going somewhere. How many of you know that changes everything? Everything. And you and I, as believers, we need to believe that because it changes everything. Let me tell you why this is important. Because Paul said, when he wrote his letter to the Corinthians, he said, if Jesus Christ has not risen from the grave, we're of all men most miserable, and we may as well just give up. Sleep in on Sunday, because it doesn't matter. You know what he's saying? If there is no proof that Jesus rose from the dead, our faith is in vain. That's what he said. But then he goes on the apologia. He goes on the apologetics. If Christ is not risen, your faith is in vain. But he appeared to Cephas, Peter. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to 500 people at one time, and most of them are still alive today. And he appeared to me. So let me tell you, I believe that he rose from the grave, and here's the reason I believe that. You and I need to be in the same vein of that. We need to have that same mentality. This is the reason I believe. Let me tell you, it's good to have reasons why you believe. You need to know what the Bible says. Because young people, you're going to go to college, there's going to be some goofy professor that's going to try to talk you out of your faith. You're going to have to have enough gumption and enough faith and enough information Just give them what they want in the test, get the A, walk out of the room and say, that's a bunch of bull. You say, how do you know that? Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt and the hat. And we have teachers here, we have educators here. My my family was in the education business. My mother was an educator for, for 30 years, but some of the goofiest people I ever saw in college were professors. Couldn't find their way through the parking lot. And they're trying to teach you how to live their life. And if it wasn't for a government check, they couldn't live. Let me tell you how I really feel. (laughs) Some are great. Some are good. Some are just spouting out what they've heard and what they've been taught. But let me tell you something. When you take your last breath, you need to know that you know that you know that there is a living God who came to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let, let me tell you something. Jesus wasn't crucified because he healed people. He wasn't crucified because he did good. He wasn't crucified because he fed the 5,000. He was crucified because he said, I am that I am. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified by statements like this. Before Abraham was, I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why he was crucified, because he came in his deity, wrapped in his humanity, and they didn't understand it. That's why they killed him. And it was the plan of God, right? That you and I would be redeemed. We could have eternal life. Would you bow your head with me right now? Father, thank you so much.
for all these people gathered here today. Let your word come alive in our hearts, our lives, not just something that we hear, but something we believe. Not something that we just have an attune to, but something we hope in. So Father, right now, I pray that you would just touch your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me very quickly? If you're going to help us pray, if you're a prayer uh, counselor here, I want you to come and stand with me. We're going to do this very quickly. Don't leave. Stay with me. The fried chicken will hold till later. If you need prayer today, if you need to dedicate your life to Christ, rededicate your life, if you want somebody to lay hands on you and pray for you, believe with you, agree with you, would you come right now and just stand right here? We're not, we're not going to hype this up, but if you want to come, I want you to come right now just for a moment. We're going to gather around people, going to pray, and we're going to pray that you will just have great faith and believe what the Word of God says. People are coming right now. Would you give them a hand? Come on, church. People are coming right now. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.